You know, many times you and I hear things, we understand things, and sometimes we don't get the full story. And so we act upon misinformation. Or we act on things that aren't exactly what uh, was intended through the information we got or through what we understood, maybe the Word of God to say. Your pastor this morning wants to explain to you the very best I can based on God's Word why God wants to bless you. Why God wants to bless you. And I'm praying even now that you'll be praying, God speak to my heart. I'm praying that you'll say to God, God, I want this message to touch my heart. I want to understand that. Why is it that you want to bless me? You know, we understand blessings for the most part. We all want to be blessed. Everybody likes to be blessed. You know, I've heard Christians and I've heard people say many times, and many of them possibly not Christians, yet I am blessed. Or I am blessed and highly favored. Or I'm looking for God's blessing to come. Or God has blessed me over all these years. Or God's blessed my family. So we all understand the idea of blessing. Many times we look at blessings in our lives from the perspective of, uh, you know, I've been blessed because we have an incredible home. We have food to eat and we have warmth in our homes and coolness in the summer times. I'm blessed because my financial position is very good and God has blessed me financially. Or God has blessed me in my relationships. God's blessed me in my career. God's blessed me in the things that I do. Maybe it's because God has blessed you with a new car or a new home or maybe new clothes. That's a blessing as well, too, the privilege to go out and buy new clothes. Have you ever truly wondered, though, about blessings from God's perspective? Have you ever wondered what God intends to do when he blesses us, what God is thinking about as he dispenses blessings upon you and I? If you were to look up the word blessed in the dictionary, it would tell you that it means to dispense favor and goodness upon somebody. It is when we receive goodness, we receive favor. If you look at that blessing from God's perspective, you'd probably add these things to it. It's to be blessed and means to receive favor and good things from the hand of God. When I'm blessed to God, it means God has put his hand upon me, that God has put things in my life that make me feel loved, maybe that I feel worthy. Makes us feel all kinds of things. But I want to delve into the, this this morning. Why does God really want to bless us? Why does he bless us? If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 5. This is a very familiar story. Many of us have heard this story and read this story numerous times in our life. It's the story about Jesus preaching and telling Peter to push out of the deep. And he caught many fish. And it changed Peter's life. But I want to look at it maybe a little different this morning than you've looked at it before. If you've found your way to Luke chapter 5, verse 1, stand with me this morning, if you will, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. Luke 5, verse 1, it says, So it was that the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little into land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. 
And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and the net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw it, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word. Father, I pray in these precious still moments, Father, that we know you are a great and godly God. Father, I pray as well, Lord, that we can remove the busyness of our lives, the distractions from our lives. Father, all of us came in from a busy life, and when we leave this place, we'll get back into that busy life, Father. So I pray right now, in these most sacred, precious, tender hours, that we can lay the world aside, Father, and have a singular focus on you. That we might see your word this morning, Father, and hear your word, Father, and you'd change our lives yet again for eternity. Father, we thank you that your word lives, Father, when we... Embrace your word, Father. It changes, it transforms, it makes us new again. Father, we pray all these things now in the precious holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, a well-known story here. We've heard this story many times and kind of want to begin at the beginning of the story. Verses 2 and 3 talks about the fact that Jesus Christ walked down to the Sea of Galilee and he noticed two boats. It wasn't by accident that he picked out Simon Peter's boat. And he said, hey, Simon, push this boat out a little bit because I want to speak to these people. You know what Jesus Christ was doing there with those folks? He was, it says he's teaching. He's having a Sunday school lesson. The greatest Sunday school teacher that ever walked. Having a lesson with all those precious folks. Many of them probably had no idea who he was. I'm sure they didn't. But they knew God, many of them. So he was giving them a great lesson. The greatest preacher that ever preached was teaching Sunday school on the side of Sea Galilee. He got to the end of his lesson there. He preached to all these people, but now he had a very special benediction. You know what his benediction was? It was a personalized message for Peter. He preached to all these people. He preached to the masses. Now he had an individual message for Peter. He preached this broad, generic message to everybody. And now he had something very special with Peter's name on it. He says in verse 4, he says, When he stopped speaking, when he stopped the Sunday school lesson, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep, let down your nets, and catch, and, and receive a catch. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, you know, I have something for all of you, but I have something very specific today for you, Peter. You know, they all heard the word of God, but you know what Peter heard? Peter heard a word from God. It's different. I can tell you this, that typically in a normal week, I probably invest somewhere between 8 and 12 hours on a message. And I work hard, and I beg God to give me the things to say, study, and I read all the commentaries I can read on, and I read any articles I can read on, I collect thoughts, I begin looking for illustrations. I like to do that early in the week, so as the week goes on, God puts illustrations and puts other things in the message, and so have the message finished by either Thursday or Friday. But a lot of time invested in that. But I can tell you the honest truth probably, but by Tuesday, most people couldn't tell you what I preached about on Sunday. And to be very honest with you, some, sometimes people ask me, I'll have lunch in their pastor, what would you preach on Sunday? i got to sit there and think. I, I can't remember. Tuesday or Wednesday. So it's very easily passing in us when we hear God's word. You want me to tell you about a word of God that you will not miss? That you won't forget? 
It's when God has a very specific word for you. Peter, I want you to push out. He told Peter where to go. He told him what to do, and then he told him what to expect. I want you to push out. I want you to drop down your necks, and you're going to catch fish. God had a very specific message for Peter that day. Peter, I have spoken to everybody, Jesus said, but now I have a message for you. God's word was personalized for Peter. I've seen people before sitting in my Bible studies. I've seen them, you sit in the service before sometimes, not necessarily taking notes all the time, but all of a sudden I'll say something or God will say something and I'll see you kind of look for a piece of pen, paper and a pencil and write it down. You know what that is? You just heard something in that message that God said, hey, Gary, I got something for you here. And you realize God just spoke to me. I don't want to forget it. I don't want to put this behind me. I don't want to miss what God has for me today. God has a very specific message for you and I. He's speaking to us all the time, but am I open to hear that? Am I listening for God to speak to my heart? Am I expecting God to speak to me? Do I, and listen to this very carefully. Do I come to church in Sunday school on Sunday morning expecting God to have something for me personally? We need to expect that. Otherwise, what? We may miss it. I don't know if you can remember in your house, I've been distracted either reading or maybe doing something else. And one of my children or my wife is saying, Gary, Gary, or dad, dad, I miss it. I think I see it three or four times. Why? Because I'm doing something else. I'm distracted. I'm moving over here when God says, hey, I got something for you right here. Peter, I imagine if you ask him two or three days after this experience on the Sea of Galilee, what was Jesus preaching about to all those people when he sat on your boat? I got no idea. I'm not really sure. Well, did he speak to you at all? Oh, man, he spoke to me. He spoke to me personally. He called my name. He had a message for me personally. You know, look at verse 6 for just a second. I'm sorry, verse 5. It said, But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net. You know, Jesus Christ told Peter. He said, I want you to push out. It's over already in his boat. Push out, drop your nets, and catch fish. Peter wanted to show respect to Jesus Christ, so he said, Master, Master. But then he said, But... Master, let me explain something to you here. Maybe you don't know who I am. I'm the president of the Zebedee Fishing Corporation. You say, well, where's that come from? Well, if you look at verse 10, it says that brothers James and John of the, the, the Zebedee family were his partners. It was the Zebedee Fishing Corporation. They were good. They were big. They had multiple fishermen there. And they had done great things. Peter had probably seen everything you could ever see as a fisherman, storms and everything else. And Peter said, Jesus... But let me explain this to you, okay? We've been out all night. And Jesus, maybe let me explain this to you too. When you fish with nets, you've got to fish at night. You're not going to fish. You're not going to catch a lot of fish during the daytime with nets. You can go out there with a pole. You can take your boy out there and fish with a pole if you like. You might catch a couple of fish. But when you want to catch the kind of fish that we catch, you can only do it at night. You don't realize that, Jesus Christ, but I know that. So he's trying to explain to Jesus Christ, but, but Jesus Christ. You know why I was doing that? Jesus Christ's reality was not Peter's reality. Peter's reality was based really on his experience. It was based on the fact that he knew how to catch fish. Listen, I've done this all my life. He didn't know this about Jesus Christ, but he might have been thinking, hey, you're a carpenter. I don't go into your wood shop. Why are you coming out here to the ocean to teach me how to fish? Because I'm president of the board for Zebedee Fishing Company, and I know how to fish. He's saying, listen, I've had successful night, successful night, successful night after another. 
We are making a living. We're knocking it out of the park as far as catching. We haven't had a bad night. Last night, we didn't catch any. Jesus Christ knew that. Jesus Christ was telling Peter to do something that went against his reality. You know, do we ever get in a position sometimes when that happens to us? That's not my reality. I, I can't do that. I, I, that. That makes me uncomfortable. That's outside my comfort zone. It was outside Peter's reality. Everything he understood. I'm going to take a little rabbit trail for just a second. I'm going to get back to the reasons why Jesus Christ, why God blesses us. But I want to kind of give you a little insight here. How to know that a blessing's on its way? Is there a way that I can know that a blessing's on its way? How can I know that something very special is getting ready to happen in my life? How can I know that? Can I know that? I can give you two insights from the scripture here. The first way you can know is that uh, you've tried everything. You've been working as hard as you can, and you're not seeing any success. No matter what you do, you're unsuccessful. Just like Peter that night. Fish and fish and fish and still unsuccessful. So the number one reason or number one way that we can see that God is getting ready to move is he's got you out there someplace where you're realizing, what's going on here, God? Why, why didn't I catch any fish last night? You're wondering about your own abilities. You know what God wants? God wants you to wonder about your own abilities. Why? Because he's got so many better things that exceed your abilities. He's got something out there that he wants to bless you with that have nothing to do with your personal abilities. Peter worked all night, had caught many fish over the years, but that night was a big zero. Unsuccessful all the way around. No way was he going to catch any fish that day because he'd missed the opportunity that night, and you only catch massive amounts of fish at night. The second way that we can realize that blessings are on the way is because we realize that we're very close to something very special happening. What is that that's special happening? It's God. I don't know what's going on, God, but I know you're there, so I'm trusting you. God was not allowing success that night in Peter's life. And then, listen to this, he was telling him to go do something, to do something totally ridiculous. That makes no sense, God. But God says, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Have you had times in your life before when you've realized God's speaking to me, but it makes no sense? It makes absolutely no sense. Jesus, what Jesus asked Peter to do contradicted his understanding. It contradicted his experience. It contradicted his knowledge about fishing. It contradicted all the history he lived through with fishing. It contradicted his background about fishing. I want, I want you to point out something here too. It contradicted Peter's instincts. You know, I think we all feel like we got instincts. You know, I can, my instincts kind of tell me, I don't know if I should trust that person. Right? My instincts tell me this or that. You know, we all have those instincts. Do you know what? All of our instincts are flawed to an extent. We cannot trust our personal instincts. Why? Because they're human. They're flesh. We can't trust them completely. We can use them as maybe part of the equation for trying to figure out an answer to a situation. But can I truly trust my instincts? No. Not totally. Peter was trusting his instincts. This makes no sense to me. Peter said, you know, okay, Master... I'll let down my net. You know, we can only imagine in Peter's mind, he said, I'll show him, you know. He's telling me to do it, but I respect him, so I'll do it. I, I can tell there's something special about this guy, so I'm going to do it. He begrudgingly walked in obedience. Had no idea that his life was getting ready to change. 
Because our instincts are distorted. They're distorted because of sin. They're distorted because of our human factor. They're distorted because of influence of others. Many times our instincts are wrong. Have you ever gone to a 3D movie where they give you those glasses? I know about them. I've never been to one of those, but I went to a Disney feature down in uh, one of the parks down there with my kids years ago, and it was called The Bug's Life. I don't know if you've been to that one, but uh, they put these little glasses on you, and it's amazing. You know, they uh, put those glasses on you, sitting there, and all of a sudden the screen starts, and here comes all these huge bugs flying at you. You almost have to duck. got to hit you in the face because the glasses make it look like they're coming right at you. And they got all kinds of special effects in there, but it, it made the realistic part of that movie come alive. And uh, <clears throat> I took those glasses off in the middle of that Disney thing, and you know what I saw? It was all blurry. It's all blurred. It didn't make sense. You could see basically what the little figures were, but it wasn't focused in, and it didn't show you uh, what, the, what, what he was trying to get apart, trying to get to, to you in that movie. Talk us there. Our instincts are just like that. Sometimes there's clarity, sometimes they're not. But to get the real clarity of life and to understand truth, it's right here. God tells us absolutely how to have clarity, how to have those 3D glasses on and see what he wants us to see and understand the things. It's not instinct. Jesus Christ told Peter to push out in the deep, and he says, but his instincts were kicking in, all the things he understood. Instincts got in the way of his obedience. Remember the story of Jesus Christ being called out by Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus? Lazarus was very, very sick. Jesus Christ was a little ways away, and so they went and got him and said, Will you come? Will you come? He said, I'll be there shortly. We waited four days, and by the time he got there where Lazarus was at, he was dead. He got there, and the sisters were very disappointed. Why didn't you come earlier? And all these things they were saying to him, and really hurt because Jesus, they knew Jesus was a good friend of Lazarus. Why didn't you come? Jesus walked out to where the Lazarus was buried at, and there was a stone in front of the grave, and Jesus told Mary and Martha, roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Well, guess what? Martha and Mary's instincts got in the way, and they said, Jesus, he's been dead four days. He's going to stink. You know, they're saying, why should I do that? That's ridiculous. Why would I do that? I love what Jesus Christ said there. He says, didn't I say to you, until you believe, you will not see. He told that to Mary and Martha. He's saying, just trust me. Roll the stone away. Do what I'm asking you to do. Even though their instincts said, don't do it. Even though it sounded ridiculous. Even though it sounded ridiculous to Peter, go out and fish some more. Even though his instincts said, we're not going to fish anymore. We're not going to catch any fish. Our instincts, our experiences, our lives, too many times get in the way of us walking in obedience with Jesus Christ. It's so easy to do. Why? Because many times Jesus Christ asks us to do things that are ridiculous. You know, are you kidding me? Roll that stone away? He's dead. It stinks. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to push out. We just washed our nets here. We're ready to pack it in, go home and sleep. We're tired. We'll go back tomorrow night. Push out. And drop down your nets. I love what verse 6 says. It said, when they had done this, when they, you know, he said, by your word, we'll go down. Peter said to Jesus, by your word, we'll go do it. We'll go ahead and do it. And I told you a minute ago, he's probably thinking, I'll show you. But in the verse 6, he said, when they had done this, and that's huge. They didn't say, well, we're going to get all of our fishing company together and we're going to talk about this because that takes effort, takes labor. You know, I don't want to know if we want to do that. 
He didn't say that. He said, when we did this, when they had done this, then it said they caught massive fish. Jesus Christ was right. He pushes out in the deep. You know, it tells us right there in verse 6 that the number of fish was breaking the net. Think about the blessing that was. How many fish does it take to break a net like that? I mean, I'm talking about a lot of fish. In the very next verse, it says in verse 7, it says, So they singled, signaled to their partners. Who are these partners? They're all the members of the Zephaniah fishing company there. In the other boats, they came to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. Listen to this very carefully. The fish nets were breaking and the boats were sinking. What a blessing that was. They never had that many fish before. They couldn't hold all the fish that God gave to them. Five, ten minutes later, earlier, they said, No, we can't. we're not going because we don't catch fish at night. We don't do that. Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous. Why would we do that? I know fishing. I'm an expert. I know these things in my life. God's not big enough to fix this problem. God can't do that. How many times have we gotten to a position where we just don't trust God? We may be thinking in our mind, God, you just don't know. Really? God doesn't know? Maybe we're thinking, you know, God's just not that much smarter than I am. I'm pretty smart. I think I'd probably give God the edge. He might be a little smarter than me. Do we really trust God? Do we really understand who God is? This was a big company. I imagine for just a moment if uh, the Apostle Paul could register in on this whole site, he'd say, exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. God is all about exceeding our expectations. He really is. It's just trusting Him to exceed our expectations. Realize that God has a great mighty plan for our life. Let me move on. There's two reasons, I believe. There's many reasons, but two I want to talk about for just a moment this morning. Two reasons why God wants to bless us. Reason number one, He wants to let you and I know that He knows more than we do. Why does He bless us? Because of that. He wants you and I to know that He knows more than we do. This morning we'd probably all acknowledge that, but really? Do we really trust Him that He knows better for my life? Do we really trust Him that He has a perfect plan for our life? Do we really trust Him and know that He has a great and mighty adventure for us to walk through this life? So I'm just going to trust Him, even in the storms. Those are some of the hardest times to trust God is in the storm. Too many times we evaluate what God is telling us to do based on our intuition, based on what we think. Why would I ever evaluate what God says by what I think? We need to take it verbatim, what it says. It's part of the problem, what's wrong with America today. We're not living, standing on the firm word of God. We want to kind of fix it to meet our needs. God didn't say that. Peter could have fixed that whole story and said, I'm not going. It would have changed the whole story. Think about how God changed Peter's life by merely asking Peter to go out and put his nest down again. You know what Peter was saying back to God? I know where the fish are at. I know how to catch fish. God knows you know that. But God knows more. He wants you and I to know that he knows more. In this whole point, if you get nothing out of this first point that God wants you to know that he knows more than you do, is this thought. God wants you to know something about him. God wants you to know something about him. You know what that is? That God knows. God knows. You don't need to go any further than that. God knows. You know, God likes to take you and I out some, time, some, place, some places to get our attention 
where all we have is him. You ever been there before? I got out someplace with God and all I had, nobody else could help. Doctors couldn't help it. Nobody else could fix the problem. So I finally got on my knees and said, God, I'm giving this to you. That's where God loves us to be. He wants us to be right there. That way he has our attention, but also that way he gets the glory because he's going to show us, now watch what we're going to do here. We're going to catch a lot of fish. Watch what we're going to do here. We're going to see Lazarus get up from the dead. Four days dead, sinking like all heaven. Come down. And you're going to see Lazarus walk. God wants to show you and I blessings. You may remember the little story about the fellow that was driving in his brand new convertible up on a sky line type parkway, just enjoying the scenery and goes around kind of a sharp corner and all of a sudden a huge deer right in the middle of the road, so he swerves, misses the deer but smashes the tree and it throws him out of his convertible over the side of a cliff. Flying down that cliff, a very steep cliff, he finally grabs onto a couple of bushes and a couple of limbs come out of the side of the cliff and holds on with dear life. And he looks down and he's probably still 200 yards from the bottom and he'd die if he falls the rest of the way. So he needs help. So he begins calling out to God, 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 please save me. So God actually answered him. and said, hey, do you trust me to save you? Yes, I do. Do you believe that I'll save you? Yes, I do. Do you believe that I want to save you? Yes, I do. He said, okay, trust me right now. Let go. You know what the guy said? Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> you know, how many times have we been like that? We're asking for God, and he's got the solution. But sometimes his solution doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Really, God let go? Really, God cast out? Really, God roll the sock away, the, the stone away? God cares. God wants us to know that he knows more than we do. Look at verse 8 for a second. And, and it, to me, this is very profound. He says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. What? He sees all these fish, and he realizes Jesus just told him, realizes how, that Jesus knows more about fishing than he does, and realizes all these things. But what he realizes, especially about in this moment, is his sin. He realizes a sinful person. Well, I don't read anything here in the Scripture. We don't hear much about Peter before this. What, what did he do that was so sinful? I can tell you this. His sin revolved around the fact that he disputed walking in obedience with Jesus Christ. But Jesus, let me explain this to you. We've been out all night. But I want you to know something else profound here. That he came face to face with God. Listen very carefully. You come face to face with God yourself, you realize how sinful we are and how holy He is. You can't have that face to face personal encounter with the God of the universe and not realize who He is and who I am. He knows so much more than we do. He's God, and I'm not. All right, I want you to think about something else here, too. I think when many of us receive blessings, a lot of times we want to give ourselves a little credit for it. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean, look at how blessed I am. You know, we've been doing a good job. We've been going to church and we've been serving, doing these things. And so look at how God's blessed us. On our best day, we still fall far short of God. And he wants us to walk in obedience. And I'm not wanting to step on anybody's toes to hurt you. 
But I'm saying there's a whole other purpose for the blessings that God sends his way. What is it? He wants us to know that he knows more than we do. But he also wants us to, point number two, the two reasons why I believe that he blesses us. Point number two is he wants us to take those blessings and transfer them to somebody else. He wants us to take those blessings and give them to somebody else. We're blessed to be a blessing. I have what I have in my life to use it for his glory. I have what I have to give it away to help other people. I have what I have purely from God. Anything I have in my life that's worthwhile came from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, the Bible tells us. God gave Peter that fish that day, not that Peter would follow him, not that, Peter, that God would follow him, but Peter would follow him. God desires for, to bless us that we might follow him in greater ways, that we might serve him in greater ways, that we might serve humanity, our fellow man, that we, we'd use what we have. Peter saw those blessings. And he didn't all of a sudden pat his head, himself on the back and realize, man, I've been doing a good job taking care of my family and my mother-in-law and all these different things. He realized he was a sinful man and that God, by his grace, gave him those fish that day. And what did that do to Peter? It made him want to follow Jesus Christ. It made him want to draw close. Blessings we have received from God's hand mean that we need to pass those on. If there's not a transferable element in the blessings we have, then we're prostituting the blessings we get. Do you hear that? We're not using those blessings for God's glory. We're not using those blessings for what God intended to do. We're using them for our own personal gain. Remember what God told Abraham? God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing so other nations will be blessed through you. I'm going to bless you. The, uh, the nations may be blessed. You and I, it's not wrong to pray for blessings. God's blessing. God, I pray you bless that situation. But I believe we need to equally pray in our prayer life, God, show me how I can transfer these blessings, how I can use all the blessings you've given me. Be intentional about asking God, use the blessings I have, God. Verse 11, it said, When they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. You know that's tough to do. It's tough to receive these blessings and all, and then just immediately turn and follow Jesus Christ. I can only imagine Peter maybe thinking, maybe I would have thought this, maybe you would have thought this too. You, uh, you've been a fisherman your whole life, and all of a sudden you've got a fish finder here. Unbelievable. Maybe you'd go up after you got this big uh, catch and landed it there on the shore and put your arm around Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, have I got a deal for you? Man, uh, I want to give you a percentage of my company. I'm here to tell you, you want 90% of my company? You can have it. After all, fish we caught this way, this day. Listen, Jesus, you don't need to work. You really don't. You don't need to fish. You don't need to get your hands dirty. I just have one favor. Would you come around every morning before we go out and show us where to fish? Jesus, I need you to show us where to fish. You know, that, that would be kind of one response to Jesus' blessings or to do that. Maybe this was on Peter's mind. I kind of live over here in the wrong side of the tracks here, alongside the Sea of Galilee. With this fish, I'm going to go start looking for a nice condo I can buy by the Sea of Galilee, right, on the beach there and have a nice beachfront property. I don't know. Those could have been all the options that Peter thought about. But it wasn't. Jesus Christ said, follow me. You know what they did? They dropped everything and followed him. Jesus Christ, I mentioned a minute ago, does not bless you and I so he can continue following you and I around. He blesses you and I so we can follow him. 
Question for you this morning as we wrap these things up for just a moment. Have God's blessings encouraged you, caused you, challenged you to follow Him? Have God's blessings caused you to want to follow Him? Or, if you get really real in your heart of hearts right now, do I find myself, for the most part, not really following real closely, but I do spend a lot of time counting the fish. I do spend a lot of time counting every day as, man, did you see how many fish we caught today, or this or that? All the other things that could distract us in this world. But the fact that we're blessed, has that caused you in your life to say, I want to follow Jesus Christ? Just like Peter, just like James and John, those fishermen. The Zebedee Fishing Company dissolved that one moment. They were no longer. God desires to bless you and I through obedience. Listen very carefully. I believe Peter never realized that something so mundane as dropping his nets would change his life. One moment he's kind of debating, going out, begrudging it, I'm sure, saying, I'm going to show this guy. I don't know who he is. He seems to be somebody important, but I'm going to show him. He can't fish, catch fish the other day. And then catches so many fish that the nets are breaking and the ships are sinking. Can't realize it. God changed Peter's life that day. I know people in this church that have experienced walking in obedience and God changed their life. One of them comes to mind right now. He's a pastor of another church. I've seen other men in this church become pastors and serving faithfully in so many different ways. I'm not saying when you get touched by Jesus Christ with blessing you become a pastor. But how has it changed your life to realize that the blessings we have, every good and perfect gift that comes from God, has changed your life? Has it changed your life? You know part of Peter's problem before he met Jesus Christ? He could never see below the bottom of the boat. He couldn't. For years in the restaurant business, I used to teach waitresses and waiters, don't have tunnel vision. You know, I'm sure you've experienced in a restaurant, you're trying to get the waiter's attention, never looks at your table. He's focused on whatever he's doing right now. Instead of kind of looking at the whole station and the whole table he's got and trying to figure it out, tunnel vision. Too many Christians walk through life with tunnel vision. God wants you and I to open up every day with the thought of, God, I want to walk through, walk through one of your open doors today. God, show me an open door today. They look for open doors. Peter wasn't looking for it, but he found it. Praise God that he was respectful enough to call him master and then did what the master told him to do. And it changed his life. God blesses you and I to be a blessing. You know, as we count our blessings, I know we count many times and thankful for my spouse or thankful for my children or thankful for this blessing or that blessing and thankful for the weather passing us up this time around. But, you know, I think what we need to add to our prayer life is saying, God, I know you've blessed me to be a blessing. Show me how I can use the blessings you've given me to somebody else, how I can pass on and transfer my blessings to touch somebody else's life.